0: Hello and good afternoon and welcome to everyone. Welcome to KAZ Radio TV and we are live on the air with a number of guests in the building and we're going to let the guests introduce themselves as we move forward.
1: Hi everybody, I'm Lauren Sky. I'm here today. I've been a mentor for about a year now. I'm happy to be here today. Thank you for having me.
2: I'm John Taylor, a uh, founder and mentor of Champion Mentoring Incorporated.
3: My name is De Niro Gray. I'm part of the Champion Mentoring
0: Program. Been with the organization about 8 to 10 years. Okay. So you already started telling us a little bit about yourself, and we're going to ask you to tell just a little bit more about you, so that way you begin to relax a little bit. So, Lauren, tell us a little bit more about you.
1: Okay, a little about me. So I love mentoring. Mm -hmm. I like to be the person that the youth can look up to because I like to hold myself accountable to, like, To be a role model for the kids. So I love mentoring. I actually work at a school currently, and I love all the kids, and I like that I can impact my community in a positive way and give back and help, teach some values and experiences that I've been through in life and be able to teach kids based off of that and guide them in a way.
0: Okay, so what do you, when you use the term role model, what would be a role model?
1: A role model is somebody that, somebody can look up to in a positive light. They can come to, if they need help, they can ask me for advice, and I'm always going to guide them in the right direction, never anything. And they can come to me, and if they made a mistake, I can tell them when they're wrong. Or do you think you should have done it like that? And Like a big sister.
0: Okay, mm-hmm. a big sister. Yes. So it's okay for you to make mistakes? It's okay for them to make mistakes? It's
1: okay to make mistakes.
0: All right. We're going to come back to you in a moment. We're going to hear from Mr. Taylor down here. John, if you prefer John or Mr. Taylor.
2: Either one. Okay. That's good. Uh, as you see, why Lauren was a godsend for the champion mentoring. Um, champion mentoring was um, birth out of necessity. My son was in the first grade. Um, I was just trying to keep the pulse of what was happening in his school. Principal saw me, said, "You're the first father I met all year, and this was February." So, he asked me if uh, I would work with four at-risk kids, boys. And uh, at the time, I'm I'm no mentor. I don't know what I'm doing. I have a first grader. I, I'm learning him. So it was uh, until only until the young lady who was in the school in D's class. She asked me, I was cutting cake. We were celebrating the birthday. And she asked me, was I Antonio's dad? And I thought it was the craziest question ever. Who else would I be? And as I watched her go back to sit down, the young lady next to her, she said, she told the young lady, Antonio has a dad. Antonio has a dad. And (laughs) 10 years later, I'm right here. And we're talking about mentoring and bullying. So it was out of necessity.
0: So just keeping it real, what took place was that as a black man, they were seeing a black man in the role of a father because that's not generally what they see.
2: Oh, It was foreign to them, you know, and that's what blew me away. And uh, I told the principal, look, I don't know what I'm doing. You know, I'm a hairstylist by trade. Um, which allows me to do this, to bring people together. And uh, I told him, look, I'll be here. And he said, quote, your presence alone will be enough.
0: And that was it for me. So you started out as being a a, uh, (laughs) hesitant individual who didn't really want to get involved. Didn't want to get involved.
2: But when that baby girl said, Antonio has a dad, it blew me
0: away. And we're going to come back to that, too, because there's so many of the black homes don't have a dad in the home. The, <laughs> the primary caregiver is the woman. And sometimes because of that, the guy gets the short end of the stick. We don't know why he's not there, but he's not there. Right. And we began to develop our own reasoning and our rationale for why that person's not there. But before we do it, dig any more into that, Mr. Darrell, you want to tell us a it, little bit about
3: you. Yes, my name is Danielle Gray. I'm a retired city worker. I had to take an early retirement because I suffered a back injury. Uh, My brother, which I call him my brother, John Taylor, came to me and said, D, I'm starting a mentoring program, would you like to? At the time, I was going through some issues in my life, taking an early retirement. And I said to myself, I don't know anything about mentoring. You know, matter of fact, I need to be mentoring because what I was going through physically and psychologically. Now, I'm a spiritual person. I pride myself on having a, a relationship with God, so I prayed on it. So God ordered my footsteps, and that was the best thing he could do, is order my footsteps. And once I got in there, I seen those kids, it was a need, and it was a void. And what I bring to the table is life experience. Um, as we get on talking about bullying, I was a bully because I suffered from dyslexia. And when I read in the classroom, kids would laugh. And I would listen to all the kids who was laughing. And when we got on the playground, I would be— I beat him up because I was suffering myself. And most bullies are in pain themselves. They are the victim. We look at the child who's been victimized. No, it's nine times a ten. If you reach into that bully background, you realize that he's the victim. So once we got involved and once I started mentoring, that was God's passion for me to do this. And it was the best thing I ever did in my life.
0: Well, there's so many things we're going to talk about as far as the bullying mechanism, and mm-hmm. I like what you're saying. because Most people don't really see themselves as a bully. Mm-hmm. Or uh, we we tend to look at when we're doing something in retaliation, as not bullying, and we feel like it's, it's just being a matter of defending ourselves. And sometimes it's not defending ourselves. It's actually we have become and took on the characteristics and the traits of that bully. That's right. The That's person so that we, we say we don't like is yeah. the person we ultimately becomes and that's a scary thing and I appreciate the fact that with John you're talking about the mentorship program uh, and we're going to talk a lot about that because I appreciate the fact that you invited us in as you did and we were able to see certain things and to participate in it but I want to hear a little bit more about Miss Lawrence and she was talking about uh you have been bullied before now were you the bully or or were you the bully
1: um I was the one that the boys, they would like to congregate in the hallway, and they would talk about me. Like, my clothes and my outfits, I have, like, an eccentric style, so everybody would always talk about the stuff that we didn't have, because growing up, like, my mother was never into getting designer and this and that, so they would they would talk about me, and I didn't care, because, like, I was, I wasn't as sensitive. I was sometimes, so I can't, I, I don't want to say that. Um, but they would always, like, just congregate and laugh every time I walked down the hall, and I ignored it most of the times, but, like, I would go home and I would be upset about it. Like, I always would be upset about it, and I realized that. And I would go to school. I'm like, if they talk about me again, I'm going to go down the line, tear them up. And that's what I did. And I used to hit low blows, so I I retaliated, but it was me.
0: But you internalized <laughs> that. You were I hurting. Did. And that's the thing we're going to talk about. So many of us hurt, mm-hmm. and we internalized the hurt. Yeah. Till it becomes resentment or anger, then it, it's built up and it festers. Then we take it out on individuals. And one of the reasons we do that is because we've never been taught how to deal with situations. We've never been taught how to come walk away from certain things like that. Because we, as much as we talk about, it, we have a thick skin. Our skin is not all that thick, is it?
1: It's not. But it's hard to walk away sometimes when it's a constant thing. It's like
0: okay, it's hard to walk away. Everybody agree with that. It's hard it is. to walk away. It is. It is. Mm-hmm. It is. is it impossible though? No, it's no, not. It's, not. It's, not impossible. it's not impossible. Okay, <laughs> it's hard to walk away. So when you had those moments, and you use the term eccentric, yes. right? You use that. Some uh, some young people might be watching the program or listening to it. Don't know what eccentric is. So what do you mean when you said eccentric?
1: So I was a thrifter. I didn't. Like, I like putting pieces together. I'm not the type of person to match. I'm a coordinator. So like I. We're like blues with the yellow and the pop of this with my lipstick. And they would look at my clothes and they would just be like, oh, it looks dingy. But like, I like the rustic look. I like a little bit of dirt on my shoes. Like, I didn't care about that. So when they talked about it, it did hurt my feelings. And I, and I was kind of close with the guys anyway. Like, we were friends. So I would tell them, you guys need to stop because I don't like that. But they would do it every time. It's like a showing out type thing. I think kids like to show out in front of their friends.
0: So that leads us back to the question we talked about a few weeks ago when, uh, when Otis was on and talking about that. Teasing. Yes. So we've been teased before. Do we Teasing, is that innocent? Because most of us tend to think that teasing is an innocent thing. It doesn't hurt anyone.
3: Well, I grew up in an era, we called it capping. And it was teasing, but it wasn't fun. So we didn't take it as hurting each other's feelings. It was almost a badge of honor who was the best capper who can talk Mm -hmm. about each other, but not in a spiteful way. So the era I grew up in, now they call it something else, you know. But the era I grew up in, it was all lighthearted. And I played sports on the way home from the game. We'll be on the bus and we'll be laughing, telling jokes about each other. But we never took it in a vindictive or a hurting way. But now, because so many kids have so much pain, they can't do it. And a lot of, when they talk about each other, they are venting from their pain. But the era I grew up in, it was all lighthearted. The mama jokes and the father jokes and, you know, how black you are jokes, that was all in good hearted. But now, because our kids are going through so much trials and tribulation in their home, it's not good hearted. So, you know, it's, it's it's a different era.
0: Even with that that mentality, so mm-hmm. good hearted, mm-hmm. and it didn't really hurt anybody. Per conversation we had a few days ago, mm-hmm. a lot of that light hearted stuff hurts. Mm-hmm. But what we tend to do, we tend to do is internalize it because mm-hmm. these are our buddies, but they're still hurting my feelings. Mm-hmm. Right. And we don't tend to talk about our feelings being hurt, mm-hmm. and yet we should. One thing that I, I pray this program is all about is keeping it real with people, helping them to see that we need to change how we approach things. We needed to change things, how it was done. Then we can't change what happened, mm-hmm. but we can change what's happening mm-hmm. today. And the best way to do that is to confront it and look at it because maybe that person you say you were doing, this was lighthearted with mm-hmm. Donna you might come across somebody and say, brother, you know, when you said that, that hurt my feelings. Well, I'm going to say this.
3: I have four best friends. I'm from Detroit. We still do it, and we still do it lighthearted because those are my friends. Those are my brothers. I will give my life for it. And that's our way of bonding because we've been doing it since high school, and we know how far we can go. Matter of fact, me and my grandkids, we go to a certain extent too, but, but it's all out of love. Now, I wouldn't do this in somebody who I don't know who because you don't know their feelings. You don't know what they're going through mentally. But this, we are doing this with people who we care about, who we love, because you have to have that mindset. And like you said earlier, you can say things to somebody, but they can internalize it the wrong way. Uh, my brother here, John, we you know, we play a game called Madden, and we laugh at each other all the time. <laughs> Some things that we say to each other, I wouldn't say to nobody else because this mm-hmm. is my brother. He knows me. So, But once again, what I say about the children that we're dealing with now, they the dysfunctionalism in their home is so terrible. No, you can't do that with
0: them. Well, let's go to that, that aspect too. Mm-hmm. You talk about dysfunctionality in the home, and that's where most of that hurt yeah. and resentment that's and right. bitterness begins. That's right. And we want, when I wrote this book, Victim of Bullies, mm-hmm. we want to look at the adults all the time or, or the children all the time and say, We well, you know Lauren has a problem,
2: mm-hmm. De
0: narrow has a problem, John has a problem. But we don't ever look at the source, the reason right. that they had this problem. Most of the problems that we have developed internally from home. That's right. right because of the way we're treated at home, either the parents were there or mm-hmm. the parents weren't there. Or the parents are there and not mm-hmm. there. And so many of our young people have to deal with that. You might have the dad and mom in the home, but neither one of them are home. That's true. Because they true. don't have time. They're not speaking to the children and mm-hmm. say, hey, go get your pad. You know, get your iPad and go get your phone. And they're doing everything but taking time with them. So the men, a mentorship program is very important. But we have, we're trying to work with the children, and it has to be reversed. We have to get mm. to the adults That's true. who are messing up the children. Would you mm. agree? I agree.
2: That's true. But one of, one of the solutions, I feel, is tolerance. Uh, Champion Mentoring, we've added another course And that course is tolerance. Um, If one student has an issue with another student's sexuality, we have to teach them as mentors. You may not agree with that lifestyle or how that young scholar acts, but you have to be tolerant and understand this is that person's way of living. You have to understand that and and be tolerant of it. That's all. So that's where mentors, it's very important that we, in order to correct that which is wrong, which is the bullying and the teasing, we have to make sure they understand that I don't have to like it, but I have to be tolerant of it.
0: Well, that goes back to what we're talking about, the mechanism. Children don't have the filtering ability that we as adults have. Mm-hmm. So we have to do what you're saying as far as a mentorship program. They mm-hmm. have to learn that. And how do they learn it? And from whom do they learn it? Because we need to talk about it the bullying mentality. Some of us as adults are bullies. Right. And we, we carry over that bully mentality mm-hmm. from when we were young mm-hmm. ourselves. Right. And because of that, we don't see it as bullying. We mm-hmm. simply say it's self-preservation, you know. And what do we hear a lot of? Man, this is a dog-eat-dog world. Mm-hmm. I have to do this to keep myself, you know, covered. And we don't. Right. What we're lacking as a community and as a people, we don't have enough of us looking at us and seeing us as we really are and then to help us change some of those things. We can't change what we were, but we can change who we are because your old habits, are your old habits, they're not going anywhere. They're going to still remain with you, but it's what we do as adults. And I, I say this to my children all the time. I say, you know what? Your child, your child is the most important person on the planet. Why is it that we don't treat them as such? Let me hear from you, Miss Lauren.
1: Um, well, as far as um, I know a lot of children who have like, gone through things in the homes, and it does affect how they come to school. Like I know witnessing a lot of children who, oh, well, my mother didn't come home last night or I didn't eat last night, mm-hmm. and they act out. And they do bully kids, and then a lot of them are sensitive, too. Like, I do – I see kids playing, and they do that roasting thing, capping thing type mm-hmm. thing. But I do think that there are certain things that kids are more sensitive about. Like, they'll talk about each other back and forth and play until somebody talks about, oh, your shoes are this and that, and they'll be sensitive about that. Like, I don't have the money to have shoes, so they get offended, and they're ready to fight and do all that, and it's a big thing. So
0: So they become – uh, very materialistic Then, Yes. And, and why do we look at it and simply say, well, they're, they're doing this, but th- there's still an issue, right? It is. Mm-hmm. There's still a problem. Mm-hmm. We know the problems exist, but we need to look at solutions. Now I'm going to ask a question because I, I put the title up today, You know, Child Abuse and, and Bullying. Mm-hmm. Is there a difference between child abuse and bullying, or is there some similarities between child ab- abuse and, and bullying?
3: Well... Let me say this, and this is how I feel from the heart. No child comes out of his mother womb wants to be a bully. Okay, So therefore, the child becomes a bully from actions he sees. All our children come. No child wants to come out of his mother womb being poor. No child wants to come out of his mother womb being dumb. So there's actions at home that makes that occur. Now, there's a difference? Somewhat, but it's a
0: very fine line. Well, let's go to something you just said because a child is born. No child ever said they wanted to be born. None of us in this room say, hey, I want to be born. When you were born, you were born. You don't have a choice in what household you're going to be born or the color of the skin you're going to be born in. That's something that's out of our control totally. But when we look at some of the things that transpire in our lives, we make some decisions. Even as young people, we make decisions. They're not necessarily proper decisions, but we make them based on our limited experiences. So we have to look at what is that child experiencing? Uh, coming mm-hmm. out of the home or being in the home. And that's why we want to talk a little bit about child abuse. And that reason I asked that question is because there are children who are being abused in the house, in the household. And because of that abuse and it's planted. And I say words are seeds. They're planted. Mm-hmm. And something you said a moment ago, and I want to uh, elaborate on that too. Children are not originators. They're imitators. Mm-hmm. And since we are planting into their consciousness and their subconscious, our words, those words have impact. True. That's true. And we have to look at the impact that the words are having. Every word that we say is impacting somebody's lives, whether really right. we like it or not. They're true. listening. People watching this program, listening to this program, mm-hmm. something that everyone here is saying is going to impact somebody's life, either positively or negatively. Right. So, what we want to do is give people an option, give them the choice to make. Right. And then, when we give them the choices, they have to become accountable. And that's one, that's a bad word, especially among us. as a black race of people. Mm-hmm. We don't like that word accountability. Mm-hmm. We want it always to always be someone else's fault. Yes? That's, that's right. true. Though. That's true. Tell me about it.
1: It's hard to be accountable for your own actions and to look yourself in the mirror when you know that you're doing wrong. And that's one thing that I'm working on as a young adult is being real with myself about why I'm this way or why I do certain things and, oh, that's not right. Like, you need to fix that. Like, certain like, people are like, oh, this is just how I am. This is how I was raised. And it's like, well, you got to fix it. Some things just need to be fixed. You need to work on yourself. I'm constantly working on myself. So
0: so most of it comes down to we make a lot of excuses, don't we? Yeah,
1: we a do. lot. And make few
0: adjustments. That's yeah. true. John, you look like you, you, well, you, you guess something the, going the,
2: on. The, the, That question you posed, was, you asked, was, uh, is there a difference mm-hmm. between bullying and child abuse, right? Mm-hmm. Now, when you think of child abuse, the first thing pops in my mind is physical beatings. The whoopings I received back in the seventies with an extension cord, today's standards—that's abuse. I have marks on my back. You know, I love my mother. You know, not putting my mother out there, but that's what she knew. She watched. The you know, that's, that's what we all. I'm quite sure it's quite a few of us <laughs> she, she that had those marks <laughs> on our back. But the, see that was that. <laughs> but but, 70s but it was that love. It was up the seventies yeah, love. Yeah, but four, but I know she loves me. Right. You know. That sti- that yeah. That was that's was tough, tough, tough love. love. That so you know there when you look at bullying, bullying, I'm on total control. I'm going to take your lunch. I'm going to take your money. And there's nothing you can do about it physically. We're going to elaborate on that too,
0: because here I want you to, I'm going to read the definition of child abuse. And some of you said rings true in that, but let's,
2: but, but then there's also that verbal abuse. You are just like your dad, you're nothing. And that's, uh, that's why, The name I picked for our mentoring program is champions. Because if you've ever, I've told our young scholars, if you've ever been told you're a loser, that adult was wrong. That adult was wrong. You're a champion. You're a winner.
0: So let me say this. for verbal abuses. That that adult was wrong. It's seldom an adult will say that they're wrong, particularly to young people. Because the image they're trying to project to them is that I'm in charge. I'm in in control of what's going on. And we lack the realism, the honesty. And that's what I said this program is about. Being real. Mm
3: -hmm. Mm -hmm.
0: When you mess up, say, I messed up. Mm -hmm. And then do what you need to do in order to correct things from that point on. But I said I wanted to read this uh, uh, child abuse. This is what child abuse is. It's when a parent or caregiver, whether through action or failing to act, causes injury death, emotional harm, or risk of serious harm to a child. It includes neglect, physical abuse, sexual abuse, and emotional abuse. Abuse. So it's a form mm-hmm. of bullying then. because it's, it's not necessarily the latter stage of it, but everything starts with the seed being planted, doesn't it? That's true. It grows over time. So that teasing can lead up to abuse, physical abuse, Mental abuse, emotional abuse, and then you become that bully because I'm hurting. I don't know anybody. Most people who hurt tend to hurt others. They do
2: get hurt. That's very
3: true, mm-hmm. and that's what we ran into. As, far as mentoring, one of the most things that impressed me when my brother came to me on after me to wants uh, to mentor. We met a principal. We went been through seven principles at Bowden, but this one principal impressed me. She said. You and this young man may be the most positive men that these children will see all week. And that's stuck with me. Wow. Because as yeah. we started to mentor, I seen that. And they looked, at, they gravitated to us because a lot of our children, no fault at their home, don't have black males in their home. So when one of the things that we did is make them, feel, make them feel accountable as far as their actions. And so they looked at us as a father figure. And like I said, I'm a spiritual person. So we added another aspect to it because we deal with our children as far as their character, but we brought a spiritual character involved in it. So you must not be as far as responsible for your character, but responsible to God also. And a lot of those children is never introduced to a spiritual aspect. Don't matter who you may say, but God is God. So they gravitated to that also. And a lot of children that we deal with because, like you said earlier, pain get pain
0: and all they want to do is release that pain on other people so when they come into the schools and the ministry program Mm -hmm. any of that we see them on a daily basis people are hurting on a daily basis the issue has often been how do we help them overcome the hurt Mm -hmm. and I'll tell people some things you don't get over but you can get through them Mm -hmm. We have to teach them to get through some of the hurts that are going on in their lives. And, and this is the other thing that we have to consider too, right? everyone in this room, we have to look at as adults, we have an ultimate responsibility to these young people. Mm-hmm. What we tend to do is we put it off on somebody else. It's not my problem. That child coming to the school is not my problem. We want butts in the chairs, and nothing in their heads. When, uh, when we came in, when you invited us into the ministry uh, program, The first thing the young man asked when you asked us to introduce ourselves, the young man asked, after we introduced I said, hey, I'm the CEO. I'm the founder of Tim White Publishing Company. And I had my marketing uh, manager introduce himself and the president (laughs) of a company. And the young man said, like the president of the United States? Mm -hmm. It's because they're not exposed to things they need to be exposed to.
3: That's very true.
0: They're hurting because they're simply saying, only way for me as a child to let you know I'm hurting I have to do something mm-hmm. to get your attention. Yeah,
3: yep, Positive attention or negative attention. It's still about attention. And that's what our children want, attention. So sometimes they act out in a negative way just to get that attention. But they are looking for attention. But we as adults, we have to realize that and circle that around and bring them positive attention. Because our children is hurting out there. No fault of their own through the sides that we live in. Our children under attack.
0: That's, that's the thing that we have to c- keep our focus on. Mm-hmm. Children aren't many adults. Right. They're not little children, little adults. Mm-hmm. And what we tend to do as adults, and I want to say this because I said it on the program a couple of weeks ago. There's a difference between being a grown-up and an adult. Mm-hmm. You use the term an adult, an adult. Many of us, we have the mentality I'm grown, which means you can't tell me anything. Our children aren't looking for grownups. They're looking for adults. They're looking for leaders. That's right. They're they're looking for opportunities. They're screaming out in pain. And when they're screaming out in pain, what are we doing when we hear that scream for pain? You guys tell me, what do we do when we hear that scream for pain?
2: There's a nurturing that must be done. The same love I give my son, I give it to the world. And I, you know, Brother Gray and Brother Siggers, we always talk about, you know, the plight of the black man, and, but we, if and, and, and there's a, a quote by Brother Malcolm X, either you're part of the solution or you're part of the problem. Now, years later, I edited, if you're not the solution, you're the problem. And that's just the bottom line. If you're not the solution, think about it. You're the problem.
0: But there, there's a question that goes with that there, because you know some of us going to throw the fist up. You know the fists going to come up and say, "Well, who do you think you are to tell me?":
2: A black man that's concerned about his people, see, and, that's, and that's just the bottom line. If these young brothers and sisters see that when Lauren comes in, taking time out of her busy schedule, Brother Siggers comes in, brother Gray. It's coming in and his back is killing him and he's just gutting it through. And we're there not only for an hour or two, we're there for for the whole day. You know, when they see that and just let Brother Gray not show up or or Sister Scott not show up. Mr. Taylor, where's where's Miss Scott? Mr. Taylor, where's where's Mr. Sickers? Mr. Taylor, where's Mr. Gray? And it's like, well, you know, they couldn't make it today. Oh, and you feel that, yeah, you feel that, yeah, because we have made a difference, and all we've done is just what Miss what uh, the principal said to me. Just your presence alone will be enough.
3: And one thing about our kids that we must say, they know game. They know when somebody genuinely oh, yeah. care about them, mm-hmm. and when somebody just talking. Yeah. So when a child gravitates to people who care about, mm-hmm. them, so when we don't come up, they feel that pain. Because they know we generally care about them. I tell them all the time. I could be sitting at home playing mad, but God (laughs) has ordered my footsteps to be here to be with you. And it's the most gravitating thing that God could ever bless in my life to spend time with other people's kids. We have a mentoring drive coming on now when I ask people about mentoring. I don't know about mentoring, but I say, look here. Once you give your time to a child who's not your relative, who's not your child, and you see that love come back, it's affectious and you're gonna get caught up in it.
2: Real quick, one, uh, second it grader, real quick. One, one, one second grader said, Mr. Taylor, Mr. Taylor, could I tell you something? I'm saying, sure. I wish you were my dad. Bruh, that's it. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. If, if you, after hearing that, and that doesn't touch you to make you wanna go out, and be a part of something good, something positive. And it don't cost no money to do. All it costs is your time. Yeah, because it's, it.
3: it's not about monetary being a mentor. It's about coming from your heart and caring and want to make a difference. It's about making a difference in a child's life that my mother told me when I first had my son, the most important job that you would ever have is being a parent. Absolutely. There's no job more than being because you're giving back to the world a child that may make a difference. So when you make a difference in a child life, what else can you ask for? Especially a child who have no ties to you. As When I say ties to you, this is not your son, this is not your daughter, this is no relative to you, but this is a child who's going to always remember that. And I'm quite sure there are some ad- adults in our life right now that we can remember who made a difference in our lives.
1: It takes a community, I feel like, to raise a child. And I know, like, a lot of my mentors are people I looked up to, like, when I couldn't go to my mother with certain things because she probably wouldn't understand I could go to somebody else, and that's what I feel like is important.
0: It's, a, it's very important, particularly as a young person. As a young per- person, you have to look and realize, there's other young people watching me, too. Right. They want to see what you're all about. Mm-hmm. And we're guilty by association because if we're doing wrong... Remember, those children, they're That's sponges. Right. That's mm-hmm. right. That's right. They're sponges. They're That's soaking right. up everything. That's right. Everything we say, everything they see, everything mm-hmm. they hear, they're soaking it in. And we can't get upset with these young people when they come back and imitating us. That's right. That's right. Because we're the
3: ones perpetuating. And most of the time when you hear on the news or when they talk to the person who victimized somebody, they always go back to their childhood. Mm-hmm. You know, most of the time I had a bad childhood. So that lets you know right there how important it is to
0: make a difference in a child's life at an early stage. We have to also understand this, too. And I, I don't want to excuse people who have bad childhoods mm-hmm. for doing bad things and they figure it's okay to do that. Right. And it's not because you can be raised in, in, uh, with a company of monkeys. You don't mm-hmm. have to act like one. That's true. So it's the, this, the decisions that we make along the way that's going to make a difference every day. Okay. So when we make a decision not to do that, and I say that based on my own experience, you know, I come from a broken home, Mm -hmm. you know, went through foster home, went through child abuse. So a lot of the things that we're talking about, I've experienced those things, but when I experienced those things, I didn't justify, go back and simply say, you know what? I was abused. So that makes me, I want to become an abuser. Right. Mm -hmm. I can't justify it. So what we have to look at is what are we giving them? What are we arming these young people with? Because if we are the ones that they're looking at to be their examples, to be their role models, are we being role models? Are we just making excuses along the way to justify when we do things and simply say, hey, brother, don't watch me. Don't keep an eye on me. You know, do this, that, the other. No, I'm saying we got, we're going to make mistakes. But when you make a mistake, can you humble yourself mm-hmm. with that mistake and say, you know what, I see what you're saying i messed up and apologize it takes humility to do that now we have also come on board with us mr Seegers, john Seegers. all right so now that you're here we want you to introduce yourself and give us a little bit about you because i know this is almost at that it was at the half an hour point i'm sure that's where we come in so tell us uh, everyone a little bit about yourself
4: okay um my name is bishop john segers i'm pastor teacher of freedom empowerment ministry center and a championship mentor, which I take, and I do with great joy. I love mentoring, and um, I like the subject you're talking about because I, I do not like bullies. I have a strong dislike for bullies.
0: So before we go any further, were you a bully or being bullied? <laughs> oh, no, bullied? I, I've never been a bully, no. <laughs> but you were bullied.
4: Yes, okay. yes, yes, yes. So um, I grew up not liking bullies. Why? Because uh, you
0: actually, I'm asking you that because you say, I grew up not liking bullies. Mm-hmm. So you have a point of reference that you look at to simply say, it, why it started, I don't like them.
4: I was introduced to being a bully early in life. I was young when I was bullied for the first time. And uh, from that point, it was, it was pretty tough for me. And I wanted to hurt. Bullies, Amen. I was. I just wanted to be. I, it, it affected me. It affected me differently. Wait a I, minute, but you said something. You said <laughs> I wanted to hurt bullies. So. Yes. yes, yes. So did that make you ease towards bullying? No, I never bullied anybody. I was, um, I was pretty laid back with a lot of things mm-hmm. because I'm I'm very reasonable. I will come and reason with even a bully if they want to reason. But there's some things that just happened that was just you know just it was a shocker. And I'll, I'll tell you about what happened. It really made me turn that way, but eventually we learned how to navigate through um, even those times. So well, see, now you just dangle the, the carrot out there and it's just <laughs> dropping. not so
0: going to fill that blank. Here. Why? You say, I'll tell you why. why? So well, I think
4: it. my first experience with a bully I was young. We were standing outside, and um, it was cold, and you know, I don't know like today, you know, you got the bus, but we walked to school. You know, and it didn't matter. We didn't have schools closing when the snow got up. We still walked to school. So anyway, I had gotten to school, and we were ready to get in. And um, there was a guy, he was, he was doing, I don't know what he was doing, but he was causing a lot of ruckus. You know, but I was cool. You know, I had never experienced bullying, so I'm standing in line, and I had to be maybe in the first or second grade. And this guy walked up to me and walked past me. I wasn't paying him any attention. And he stomped off my feet. My feet was cold. (laughs) When he stumped on my feet, it just clicked something in me. I said, dude, don't you know I would hurt you? And he just, and I noticed he was walking down the line and stomping on everyone's feet. And right there at that point, I'm saying, this is wrong. You know, I'm not having this. I said, we're not having this. Mm -hmm. And um, from that point on, I never really liked bullies at all. That just, that's all it took for me that one time. Now, there was other times in my life where I did have other kind of experience, but I never forgot that first one. Mm. And even that young man to the point that um, I was older and, you know, maybe about eight years ago, I'm talking like over 40 years, I ran into that same person in the store.
0: You weren't stomping on feet there? Uh, no, <laughs> <laughs> I never forgot
4: his face, his name. So when I saw him, but I changed, you know, and when I saw him, I spoke to him. Mm. And I, I spoke to him by his name. He looked at me and said, I don't know you. He said, I said, yeah, you, you may not know me. I remember you. He said, when, when do you remember me from when? I said, I remember you from second grade. Mm. He said, man, that's elfed up, you know. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I, he knew, I knew his first and last name. And I never told him why I remembered him, but he just made that impression on me. But isn't it, oh, yes. it, it yeah, it's, it's interesting, no, it was just yeah.
0: interesting that some people who are bullies mm-hmm. don't remember the people they're bullying, mm-hmm. that's true. Mm-hmm. We remember them, mm-hmm. but they don't. It was just another day, it was probably just a Tuesday for mm-hmm. him. Mm-hmm. But you remember his first name and his last, last name, name. Mm-hmm. and when you in the second grade and you talk about 40 years later, you mm-hmm. see somebody and wow. you say, I
4: remember you. That I, didn't, I wow. didn't forget that mug, amen, I mm-hmm. remember that mug, you know, and... Um, It it was interesting, and from that point, I think it kind of changed the trajectory of my life. I could have went in that direction, but it just made me a protector of people. I've worked in law enforcement, worked in some other places. I think it's because of that that kind of moved me in that direction. Every
0: experience teaches us something, and we just have to get the lesson. Mm -hmm. And they can be a negative or a positive lesson, but they're they happen to us to bring positive things out of us. Unfortunately, many of us just choose the negative end to that. Right. But uh, just what you were saying, and that's good. It took you down a path, and the same as myself. You're a mm-hmm. minister. You're a pastor. I pastored, mm-hmm. ministered, been in the ministry for 49 years. Mm-hmm. I've seen mm-hmm. a, lot, a lot of stuff. Mm-hmm. But God took me through a lot to get me here. Correct. And that's what we have to look at. And that's, I keep emphasizing this, and I'm going to always emphasize this. We as adults have a greater responsibility and accountability to our young people. They're looking for help. They need help. They want help. They're doing foolish things and stupid things as a cry to us to simply say, hey, is anyone paying any attention? Why is our young people going out here and killing themselves? Your babies are killing wow. themselves. Because they're simply saying, I've tried to talk to you. Right. But when I came to you, I came to Lauren, and Lauren just didn't have time for me because she was busy doing something else. She didn't have time, and when you didn't have that time, that person can go and hurt themselves. And Mm -hmm. I'm using that as an illustration because years ago, it was a young lady when I worked at a store, and she was going through some stuff. She was married and had two children at the time, and she was getting ready to leave work, and she was upset. She bumped into me, and she dropped everything, and I I helped her pick up everything. We had a conversation, a few minute conversation. I told her, you know, everything is going to be fine. It's it's not that bad. You have a friend. It took her almost 30 years later she came to me. Wow. And we talked. And she said, you know what? When you bumped into me in the store, I said, Yeah. She said, You probably don't remember. Yeah. I remember you bumping into me and you dropped everything. I helped you pick it up. She said, Yeah. I was going home to kill myself. Mm. Wow. She said, I was going home to commit suicide. Wow. It was because you took the time to speak to me and encourage me. I didn't go home and kill myself. Now, she had two adult children now who have children. She lives in Florida, doing really well now. But what we're, the, the point of that is that we don't know how we're going to impact someone's life. That's right. And we have to be always mindful. Again, as I said, the words that we speak are seeds. Mm-hmm. We're either planting positive or negative seeds in people's lives. And these children's lives, these children are hungering. They're hungering for leadership. What are we giving them? You guys tell me. What are we giving them? Our jump anywhere you can jump in. Hmm? Our
1: time, our love, an ear to listen, um, advice, anything that they need at the moment.
0: So how do we know what they need?
1: Sometimes you don't. Sometimes you really don't, but like you said kids don't really have filters so they kind of just talk about their problems like I I work at the school and I know the little girl like she was she just really rowdy she don't know how to sit down she she kind of gets on my nerves a little bit and I know like I'm like just sit down and this and that and I'm just like why she she doesn't know how to like listen like and it irritated me and I just remember just the other like the one day she told me like well my mother is in jail and I don't have anybody around and she was just talking to me and it just made me so sad because I feel like I was kind of like being she's getting on my nerves I don't want to be around I don't want to deal with her sit down and she wanted to talk about it and now we're like now, so, what, you, what you
0: needed was a wake up call. I did. And I sometimes we don't, we, we look yeah, at these children and yeah. are doing things and, and like, oh, they're getting on my nerves. We should just right. sit down, go somewhere. But that's God's way of telling us hey, I need your attention. Mm-hmm. I need mm-hmm. your attention because this is somebody's crying out for help. Right. They're giving you all the signals, and yet we look at the signals, mm-hmm. and the phone's ringing, and we want to go to voicemail. Because what we're saying is I don't have time right now. Mm-hmm. And she was do- giving you every indicator that she could she that was. there's something going on and you, you're going, ooh. I'm like, she was
1: bad. I'm yeah. like, oh my gosh, I'm not dealing with her. But then when she told me that, I felt so bad. I was mm. so sad about it. Like I'm like, oh my goodness, I've been ignoring her, being mean, like not want to deal with her because she was acting out.
0: For but what reason? She was acting out because what? She was simply saying, help me. Right, right. help me. Again, that mentorship program that you're referring to as well, this is all a part of that. And, and we should be mentoring the world exactly. because the world is sick. Exactly. You know, when exactly. you look at people, that the young man who, uh, the football player went and, uh, and killed these folks, and his father said, you know what, my son was a good son. He was good. He, he, I hear that all the time. Mm-hmm. This person was good. I, they surprised me when they did this. It shouldn't surprise us people do evil things because mm-hmm. we're evil people. We don't necessarily like to be confronted with our own shortcomings, do we? Somebody come up to you and say, Pastor, you know you're an evil guy. You would say, no, I'm not evil. There's nothing wrong. I'm not that bad. Yet we are. We're not good people who happen to do bad things. We're bad people who know how to do good things. Because God said all have sinned and come short of his glory, right? That's right. True. That's true. So he said, all of you are bad, but you know how to do good. How, why is it you know how to do good things? Because you're still connected to God. How, do we, how are we connected to God? Every breath I take, that's him. Mm-hmm. But he said, Tim, I leave you with the decision-making part. You either do what I ask you to do or you do what you want to do. When you say oh, I'm busy right now, the Lord said, that young lady needs you. Oh, but I, not right now. We put a priority on us and not on who God said we should have our priorities to, right? Mm-hmm. Everyone needs what you, we're at the table talking about. Mm-hmm. They need mentoring. Mm-hmm. They need help. And if we don't see it and do something about it, the Bible says to him to know to do good and do it not to him. It is sin. In other words, God said to him, if you don't do what's right and you know it's right, you're accountable for that.
2: Talk to me. That's amazing. That's why um, our mission statement is character development. And we, I talk about this all the time. I've been in some town hall meetings, and you know the answer for the community's downfall is always lack of education. I And, 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 and that may be true. But character development, if we would spend more time developing character, the character of a person, then that student, that young scholar, could go back in the classroom and learn because you won't have to deal with disrespect. You won't have to deal with um, uh, some of the things that these students are given. Now, if you're in court, and we pray none of us ever have to go, but the first thing they'll ask is not how much education you have, how much money you have, Mm -hmm. but for a character witness, a character witness. Someone can vouch for it. There it is. So why not develop that? That's why Champion Mentoring Incorporated, that's our, that's, that's our main goal. As, as Brother Gray will attest to this, uh, next year, Lord's willing, if the schools are open and, and we're able to do our thing, uh, Brother Gray plays the good cop, and I'm the bad cop, right? When, when, when the young scholars are acting up, they'll go to Brother Gray – hey, man, it's all right, it's all right. And they'll bring them to me, the knuckleheads, hey, you better. And I said, D, I want to play the good cop this year, <laughs> right, because we're giving them the love, the tough love, but we're also giving them, you know, uh, an, an, an understanding. But the main thing is love, whether it's tough or not, it's still love. And that's what these young scholars understand when Lauren and, and, and Minister Siggers and Art McDaniels, Who's not with us today? But when, when we come in, they see the love. One thing about children, you can't fake the funk with them. Either they have it, either you have it, or you don't. Because they'll usually ask, I'll usually ask, How was uh, Miss Scott today? Oh, Mr. Taylor, we love Miss Scott. You know, not we like, we love Miss Scott. Brother Siggers, oh, we love Mr. Siggers. You know, you were there when the young lady, we asked, what did you learn today? And that young lady said, I learned today. What I learned is that there are five men who truly care about us. That was during that time when we every every so often we bring the young female scholars in and we give and we mentor them so they can get a male's perspective of life and just to see positive males around. And that young lady said. There's five men here who truly care about us. And it touched us all. Mm, it absolutely. touched us all to hear that. And this was our first day there. So, again, you give them love. Uh, uh, you show them that you truly care. we just giving them something that the world needs, and that's love. Y'all.
4: I totally agree with that because it's the contextualization that they're looking at. They need that context of having different things before them. Um, Cause what is mentoring anyway? Mentoring is first showing them what they should do, showing them first, then watch them do it, and then once they watch, watch once you watch them do it, and then you give it to them to do. So and that's what we do. What i our takeaway from that, and see because their contextualization or whatever they're surrounded by and the things that they're being influenced by, they're influenced by what they see. Um, in their homes. Sometimes we, we we have children that may come before us and they have different issues and stuff. And then we wonder, well, where did they get, where is this coming from? And then we see the parents walk up. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and <then> we <laughs> look at each other. Okay, there yeah. it is. Yeah, yeah. There it is. So they that's just true. imitate what they see. Hmm. If we can just, I, it's almost like Frankenstein's monster, you know. Um, the Frankenstein is creating a monster. And I think the the biggest challenge that We have as mentors is how can we change Frankenstein? Now we got the monster, the child Mm -hmm. the child, but they're only imitating what they see. So how do we I think that's the biggest challenge. It goes back to everything you said and what we're talking about the program is all about. We have to get to the
0: source, which is the parents. Mm -hmm. See, oftentimes we ignore them. You know, every day that the child comes to school, you are there, all of you are there trying to undo what may have happened 24 hours earlier? Being abused, being beat, being called out of their names, can't sleep, or get up and go in there and watch the distance. I don't care how long it takes. You're going to be in there till it's done. Mm-hmm. And that child comes to school, and they're sitting up in your classroom with their head on the table, and you want to slap them upside the head and right. say, get up, pay attention, mm-hmm. and that person is hurting. So we have to go back to, yeah, the, the, the water hose is on, and the the ho- water hose is flopping. We can close the, the, the head of it. Or we can go back to the spigot. Mm, mm. We need to go back to the spigot. Correct. Where does it originate? Mm-hmm. I said it earlier in the program. Children are not originators. They're imitators. Mm-hmm. That's true. Uh, and what we're doing is, if we're looking at the children and simply say, you know what, this is not a spectator sport. Mm-hmm. Those of you who like sports. You have to participate. We need to get more participation from the adults me writing the book, everybody's saying, great book, great book, great book. It's showing the problem. Mm-hmm. And they said, but what's the solution? So what is the solution? I had to write another book and say it to the adults, you see this book? Mm-hmm. This is a workbook. The first question I'm asking in this workbook is to the adults, are you a bully? Because cool. if you're a bully, this is not going to help that child because you're going to tell them, get out of my face. Leave me alone. Don't have time to hear that. The book is saying there's a problem. The workbook has said there's a solution and where to start looking. We need to start looking inwardly. That's why I had to do this PowerPoint presentation with the workbook to simply say, hey, you know what? Take this and this and you do this. Then go teach this. See, we always, my mother said, we have the cart before the horse. Mm -hmm. We're reversing everything. We need to educate the educators, if you will. I agree. We need to educate those parents. Who are doing it. As you said, when you look at the child, the child come in all messed up, and then you see mm-hmm. the parents come, and you say, Oh, no that's why. Right. So now we have a, a dilemma before us. Right. How do we get the parental involvement? We and the teaching involvement. We're in the schools, we're in the public schools. The public schools already purchased some of these books. In the, uh, but the thing is, as I told them when I was teaching the teachers. And we went to one school that said they didn't have a problem. We were teaching the <laughs> teachers, and the thing is, they have to understand, you are the primary source. You're the caregiver for, what, eight, ten hours a day. When that child goes home, they may go home to an empty house or a drug-filled house or alcohol-filled home. What are we giving these young people to offset the mechanisms of bullying, the mechanisms of child abuse, whether it's physical, mental, or emotional?
4: I think that we're giving them hope because they may not have anything to to, to be able to relate to. Uh, And as we continue to do what we do and give them the positive reinforcement, uh, I, I like to think that it's going somewhere. It's affecting something, just like me and the bully, you know. At first, you know, um, I know how I felt, but as I began to get around more positive people and seeing how life really goes and everybody is in the same, um, I had something to draw on. So Mm -hmm. I guess um, out of their whole life, we may be the, I I hear some people say, you may be the only Jesus that people would ever know. You know, you Mm -hmm. may be the only um, source of strength or um, positivity that they would ever know. So all we can do is just do what we
2: do. I, I like
0: what you said because there, there, and there's a, a controversy to a lot of the churches. Sure, sure, When you say you may be the only Jesus they see, mm-hmm. sometimes the only Bible they're ever going to read is your life. That's right. And what we tend to do is we argue that and fight and debate over that, and it's a truth. Yeah. It's a true saying. What is the light on? That's what we have to look at. Is the light on? Mm-hmm. Do, do these children see the light blow, uh, burning?
2: Yeah. Well, it, it, there's a um, a point in our mentoring program that's it it we talk about being self-reliant you may have a mother who doesn't care about education mm-hmm. i've dropped many of young scholars off at home and when they told me they lived there and there's like 10 guys with white t-shirts on sagging and smoking black and miles and rap music playing and playing dominoes on the front porch. I felt for the child. I'm like, you sure you live? He was like, yeah. So I said, what I want you to do is get it in spite of your surroundings, you know, being self-reliant. We may not come up in the greatest in that nuclear family structure, right? And it's okay. I didn't come up in Mm -hmm. it, but I had a lot of people, from my church, from the deacons, to my grandfather at the time, I didn't realize how important of a role that he played because he was my grandfather. I just wanted that father. But we stress, I don't care if your mother's a crackhead. I don't care if your daddy, you've never seen him, he's in jail. I don't care. What I do care is that you get it. It doesn't matter where you plant it as long as you blossom. And that's the bottom line. Because there's not going to be any kind of perfect... You can have the nuclear family. Your daddy could make six figures, your mama too. You could take those trips to Disney World. You can be exposed. But if that love isn't there, if they're enabling you from being the person that you're supposed to be...
0: See, I've always been telling... I've been told my children, it's not where you come from, it's where you're going.
2: There it is. Because
0: most people like to use that, that thinking you know what, uh, my neighborhood, uh, right. I, I'm a victim of my uh, environment. I said, no, you're not. No. You're not a victim of your environment. You create your environment.
2: I'm from it, 100 it, it, and Quincy. It, it, I, I tell Austin. people I'm from 100 and Quincy. You know, 100 and Quincy, when, when the hood was Cedar and Quincy, I was called, man, you from the ghetto, when I went to Hamilton because my mother didn't want me to attend Rollins Junior High School. Right, so my hood. If I'm if I'm not thug, and if I'm not, you know, what I'm saying, if I'm not talking using that kind of vernacular, then why should you? And you're from the Heights. How could you be from Cleveland Heights, South Euclid, and and, and you're speaking like that? You know, so I tell them all the time. We tell them it, it's, it's an act. It's an act. Nobody raises their child to, you know, what I'm saying, what's up? Come on.
0: Well, just, uh uh we heard from brother Gray was talking about the fact that none of us were born none no. of us were born bullies no none of us were born no. bullies that's a choice you saw it. that's a choice that we make as we're going through life and certain things may have taken place in our lives mm-hmm. and we justify our meanness and our arrogance and our hatefulness because of that I'm hurting so I want to hurt somebody else I became a bully because of that we can change any of those things about ourselves but it's going to take we got a room full of men here, mm-hmm. one young lady here. We, it's going to take us mm-hmm. doing what we need to do. There you go. That means stepping out of self. Yeah. Because on the average, we're selfish. It's all about us. And that moment you had <laughs> the, the young lady, it was a selfish moment, right? It was like, oh, you know what? And we didn't he- I want to hear from you because we only had like three minutes left. So what do you have to say, Ms. Lauren?
1: Um, I want to say that I'm happy to be a part of this program. Um... I love what I do. I love inspiring young women. I love awesome. kids. I like that they can look up to me and I like that I can be imperfect but still able to give my advice and guide them in the right direction and give them hope and that love that I know that they're missing because a lot of them are missing it and I genuinely do care.
0: If if no one has done the mentoring before on any situation or circumstance, if you really love people, mm-hmm. it hurts. When you see somebody hurting,
2: mm-hmm.
0: yeah. That's, yeah. True. that's true. true. And when you see hurt. That's true. It, it, it's it's it becomes like a weight. I I need to do something. Right. What do I do?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And uh, brother Taylor, you said either you're part of the solution. No, or you're part either of, you're, you're, you're the, the solution, the problem or the solution. Either you're
2: the solution or the problem. The problem. <laughs> you're the problem.
0: And we need to look at that and embrace that. What what is my role in this? Young people, I want to say this every week on this program. It's the same thing. We have to reach people, and the children are the most neglected. That's what child abuse is, isn't it? It's neglecting the mm-hmm. child. It's abusing that child, whether mm-hmm. it's physically, emotionally. It's neglect. We have to be able to stop the neglect. The stop the hurt. The only way for us to do that, we need more people like in this room. Mm-hmm. If we bring them together. Now I'm talking about more people in the room like this because there's a lot of the other stuff out there. They're getting the other stuff. But they're looking. You just said it, Miss Lauren. They're looking for that hope.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: Hope. Can you show me a reason to believe? Yeah. Can you be my example? Can I call on you when I'm hurting? Can I call you three in the morning when you just laid down and just had a hard day? Can I call you and say, I need you to hear what I have to say? Or are you going to say, can you call me at 10 o'clock when I'm awake and refreshed? People who need help can't afford to wait for it. Mm. So with that, our show has come, our program has come to an end. And I I appreciate you guys. I know it's like, oh, can we come back? Can we come back? And (laughs) so... Amazing. So, last words.
1: Thank you again for having me.
2: Our pleasure. Thank you, Tim. You know, you you walk the walk. You walk the walk.
4: It's an honor to be here. Thank you.
0: And Mr. Gray out there? Yes, sir. <laughs> <laughs> and Mr. Arden and Mr. Otis over there? You can yell through it. They'll hear you.
2: Give some blessings, everyone. All
0: right. All right. Till next week, unlocking the power of you. Great See you show. at two. Great show. Man.
2: Great show. I <laughs> want This should be two hours. <laughs>